Welcome to the Job Search Podcast with your host, John Rivero, where we will be interviewing leading industry experts to help you get the job that you want. Everybody, welcome to the Canadian Job Search Podcast. My name is John Ribeiro, your host, and this week we've got a very special guest in Elaine Daniels. Elaine Daniels is a seasoned HR, uh, HR professional and recruiter, and she specializes in the engineering field. Elaine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. It's my pleasure to be here. I know you and I, we've gone and we've had some few, we had a few conversations in and around this. I, we met somehow through LinkedIn, through a common connection through Connell. And it's amazing what happens when you stay in touch with your network. It's one of the things I'm always professing to the people that are listening to the podcast and to the students that I deal with. One of the most important things you're going to have as you go through your career is going to be your network. So you never know, right? So I'm, I'm so happy that you're here and that we're finally chatting. Yeah, and, and, and that's how the world revolves today is through networks. <laughs> yes, especially in today, you know, and it's interesting, especially in today's environment with the pandemic, a lot of people losing work. Um, what I found and what I've been hearing is your, your job search is almost 50% networking and then 50% job search. I don't know. What do you think about that? I'm going to say you're probably right, but it may be more networking than actually job search because it's through those network connections that you, which you spend more time on, quality time on, you mm -hmm. actually will find that job. So there's a lot more connections and networking than 50-50. Yeah. I'm going to right. say it's, it's probably high, up to 70. Wow. To, okay. Right. To, to land the job that you're looking for. Because yeah. it takes you, a lot of effort. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> and you guys are hearing it here. So, you know, if you're if you're listening to this and you're wondering as you're going through your job search, how much time I should be spending on my building my network out, you heard it from a professional recruiter. 70 up to 70% of your time should be spent there because that's what it's going to take to succeed in today's market. So let's just get into our first set of questions. So, Elaine, so what would be what would you suggest is the best way for a job seeker to reach out to a recruiter? Well, today we have the privilege of having LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of um, opportunity to reach out to a recruiter on LinkedIn. Um, you know, LinkedIn can help you do the searches to find those recruiters because they're all listed there. And then when you do reach out, it's not just a general reach out, but actually, why am I reaching out? Like, what is my aim? What is my motivation? Um, and, you know, it's not always about a job. It's to be part of that network so that the recruiter doesn't feel pressured that you're looking for a job and mm -hmm. they don't have one for you. So, so that soft approach. Yeah. So that's a good question. So is there a good way to reach out to somebody like yourself? And what have you seen are some bad wrong ways to do it? Because it's, it's a combination of both. You want to avoid the bad, but you definitely want to focus on the good. What would you yeah. recommend? So the way I have seen some people reach out to me is um, people have said to me, you know, we want to be a part of your, your network so that we can know who you know in your network, right? Okay. Um, and that way they see they can, when I share posts, they can be part of what I share. Mm -hmm. um, the really, and I don't want to call it bad, but, but you know, poor or connections mm -hmm. have been where they've sent me, reached out for a specific job and I'm going, but I'm, but you don't even qualify. And so now what, where do I go from here? 
Yeah. Right. So it's that balance of being careful about what it is you actually put in in the message or in the the outreach message. Um, but I'm going to say that the softer approach is the the one where you're where you're just wanting to be part of the network and parting to, you know, learn and share. Yeah. Because that's no, what I, networking is all about. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm with you. And I find when you reach out to a recruiter and you're asking for a job, the chances of getting a response, I, I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm feeling that it's going to be very low, right? So don't go in for the ask right away. Uh, you know, go in and offer some value, share some insights, share some tips, uh, share what you know about the market, share what you know about the organization. Little things like that are the things that are going to help you connect, right? Correct. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Something else that I have, and just to, you know, before we wrap up this question, is where mm-hmm. people have actually said, at your convenience, I wouldn't mind for you know, five minutes of your time, just to hear a little bit about, you know, what it is that makes a person successful at Hatch. Yeah, okay, and it good. gives me the opportunity to be able to share what our culture is about really quickly, really easily. Yeah, no, and that's good. So, and culture is important, right? So, so if somebody does that, and the question is, and, and this is the one thing I'm always getting from my candidates, you know, they, they reach out, but they never hear back. So you're saying something like, hey, do you have five minutes so I can learn about yourself and the organization? You'd be open to entertaining something like that? Absolutely, because that's what we do to candidates when we reach out to them and say, when we find them on LinkedIn, that's exactly the message we give them, right? Yeah. So I think that's the reciprocal of the candidate reaching out to the recruiter. Oh, excellent. So I, I do hear from a lot of the job seekers that I'm speaking to that they typically don't get responses from a recruiter. Number one, why do you think that is? And then number two, what can a candidate do to grab a recruiter's attention? Uh, so I can't speak for all recruiters, but certainly, and I can speak for the ones in my organization, is sometimes it's just the sheer volume of mm-hmm. requests and responses uh, or requests, I would say, and then the time to respond. But I'm thinking that to grab a recruiter's attention is be very specific about what it is you want, five minutes of your time, whatever, um, to talk about, I saw this opportunity and I want to learn a little bit more about it. And, you know, what it is about Hatch, right? Mm, okay. so, so it gives the recruiter the opportunity to come prepared and then know exactly why you're, why you're reaching out. All right. Excellent. So, and, and I just want to play it back. So if I'm hearing you correctly, just be succinct in terms of your response. Give a purpose or some sort of call to action in, in the email that you're sending out to the recruiter so they know why you're reaching out to them. And it's not just... Hey, Elaine, great to meet you. Yeah, okay, great. exactly. <laughs> what do I do with that? Yeah. All right, on to the next message, right? Because I'm sure your, your mailbox must be flooded with just people trying to reach out because from my understanding, there's, there's a ton, like hundreds of people looking for employment, right? So, yes. the, and I know you specialize in the engineering field and, and we do have a few of our listeners are engineers. So what's different for them in recruiting? So engineering is a very broad field. And Mm -hmm. for many of them, um, they would look at an organization like Hatch. They go to our webpage. They go to our careers page. And it looks like a great company. You know, Global does a lot of things. We 
work in a lot of spaces and everybody thinks, oh, I'm sure there must be a job there for somebody like me. And then they reach out. But one of the things, so engineering spans the world of consulting, engineering. Mm -hmm. We can span construction. We can span manufacturing. Um, And then many, many smaller organizations who do very boutique type engineering. So like maybe a firm that maybe specializes in environmental or in air quality or different areas of of engineering. And they're all engineering. So, and everybody looks at it and says, oh, Hatch does all of these things. But where you, some people really do go wrong is by not taking the time to say, but what does Hatch or any of the other large engineering companies who are in the consulting space actually do? Mm-hmm. Versus some of the more boutique or smaller organizations or what does the manufacturing sector do? Um, so let's take a mechanical engineer, can cover any of the spaces I've just talked about. Oh, okay. Right? Consulting, construction, manufacturing. But yeah. in each of those environments, they do, they do different things. They have different applications of the engineering process. Um, so in the consulting engineering, it's a lot about engaging with a client, doing presentations, being able to express your ideas, being able to bring value to the client's organization. Mm-hmm. Um, construction is on the execution side of engineering. Um, on the manufacturing side, you're more on the front end of it, right? Yeah. Developing a product. So understand what the space is that, you, that you're currently in. And then how does that translate into the Canadian work environment? Mm -hmm. And we have divided that in Canada into many different organizations. I know a lot of companies, maybe from um, abroad, maybe that's, they do that all under the same name or brand. And then they have large departments within the organization who do that. So read and understand exactly what it is the, that the company or the organization actually does. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where a lot of people get rejection because they're, say they're a mechanical engineer, but they're actually applying to the wrong space. Yeah, and, and that's fair. And, and, and there is a piece where you need to translate what you're doing. And for some of the audience that's living outside of Canada, really understand what it means in Canada. And my understanding too is engineering is a regulated type of field. There's two fields... There's two type of works, two type of work inside of engineering. So there's regulated engineering work, and then there's non-unregulated engineering work. Would that be correct? Sorry, you froze there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so th- there's regulated engineering work or jobs, yes. and then there's unregulated engineering jobs as well, right? That's correct. So regulated engineering jobs would be those that would require a PN, which means that they would have to stamp the drawings and you know, be able to testify about that should mm-hmm. there be an error in omission. The unregulated is what we call the designer stream. So the technicians and technologists, um, and they're not, you know, they don't have to stamp their drawings to the same Hence, you see a lot of people in, in manufacturing maybe could work in that unregulated space Okay. because, of, because of that. Yeah, and, and that's good to know. So for those of you that are listening that are engineers in other countries, you just need to be aware of that, right? And as you're going through the application process, 
be careful not to apply for jobs where you need a PN or professional engineering designation to sign off on things. Because at that point, they're not even going to look at you because you just don't have the certifications you need for the field of work, right? So yeah, no, well, thank you, and that's great. And Lane, I, I know this is this is your expertise, and this is the field that you work in. So this insight's incredibly insightful for for the candidates that are listening to this. So thank you for for just clearing that because we get to ask that question quite a bit, and it's nice to just have some clarity around that. So from your perspective, what would you say overall? What are some of the most common mistakes you see in job? Uh, some of the common mistakes that job job seekers are making today. Well, I think the biggest mistake that I see, and I see it over and over again, is that people are applying to jobs and they haven't actually read the job description. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I've just been going through some resumes myself lately. And, um, you know, of the 200 that applied, I was only able to pull out 10% that actually qualified oh. for the job. Um, thus far. And, and that is because, you know, the job description has some very key things in it that the, the company is looking for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for people just to apply to a job, just because they have maybe the title, um, or, you know, um, isn't enough, right? Hoping that somebody will think, well, I'm going to send this resume off to somebody else doesn't work, because we get so many resumes. And, and so, I think one of the biggest mistakes that job seekers do is they apply for maybe a, they go after the title, they go after maybe, you know, the years of experience, maybe the, just the, simply the degree, and they don't actually understand what the role is all about or what the function of the role is all about yeah. um, outside of the qualifications. So there's the qualifications and then there's the responsibilities. Okay. Um, and we look at both. Yeah, and that's good to know. So I, and one of the things that we're constantly talking about is, you know, be specific in terms of what you're looking for in your job, be specific in terms of how you respond to the job posting. Because the last thing you want to do is not take the time and then be filtered out and have zero chances of getting the job because you're just not reading what they're looking for and you're not putting those things in. So, so here's a quick question. So in terms of when you're looking at resumes, and I don't know if you actually look at cover letters, but if you look at those two, mm -hmm. what specifically are you looking for? So I look at both. Um, and what I'm really looking for is how do they match to the job that I have posted? Mm -hmm. And what is, in addition to that, are they sharing with me that I didn't put on my posting that is above and beyond that particular role. So, for example, the position I was looking at was for a um, software um, engineer, mm -hmm. because that's one of the areas here that we um, have at Hatch as well, our digital practice. And so I was specifically looking for people that had, you know, and we had listed a lot of information in our job description of what they could have of, again, software is a broad field. So we were looking for a, a range of, of um, experience and a range of, of uh, skills. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some people that didn't even have it at all. <laughs> and, and they applied. And, and when we were very specific about saying, you know, we are looking for Azure, we're looking for, you know, DevOps, we're looking for, you know, 
know, like very postman, like all the things I have no clue what they were talking about. But, <laughs> but we were very specific because that's what our client requirement is. Yeah. And so when you miss that completely, then you, I realized that you didn't even read my job description. You read some parts of it. And, you, you know, likewise on the cover letter, um, you know, I would look for people who would say, this is how I, this is what I bring to your organization. Because you don't Excellent. really have an opportunity to say that anywhere in your resume, right? Mm -hmm. So in that sort of, in that little third paragraph or second paragraph, wherever you want to, you know, is this is what I bring. These are some of the other attributes that I bring to the organization or to your, an organization that would be helpful. Right, um, fair enough. Because again, we're not only looking for the present, we're also looking for the future. Like, how can you help us for the future? Future growth. Yeah. And, that, and that's a great point. So here's a question. And, and this is one I know I've been asked personally. Um, in, in terms of the qualifications on the resume, are you looking for 100% in every candidate? Or are you looking for 70 to 80%? Like, what's the ideal for yourself? 70 to 80%. The, okay. the reason we list as many as we do, because we know that, you know, everybody has a broad range of that experience, but typically we try to put the most important ones near the top because we realize people will, will read that and then they'll, that they'll drop off. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's the things that we really want. We would try to put them near the top of the resume and then yeah. the rest are, you know, um, so it's not never 100%. Um, it's, it's about a 70% Excellent. to 80. If we get 80% where we think we've, we've hit the jackpot. Yeah. On a candidate. <laughs> Yay! Yes, <laughs> we got 80%. We're good to go. Yeah. No, and the reason I ask that is, you know, some people, when they look at job descriptions, they just look at it and say, well, I don't have enough. I don't have enough of what they're looking for, or I don't have a hundred percent of what's listed. So I'm not even going to bother replying. Right. And it's interesting that you say that. I know we, I've been talking about it personally for years and I, mm. you know, the analogy I use, is kind of like a grocery list, right? Mm -hmm. You always put the most important things on the top of your grocery list. And then at the bottom is maybe those things that you'd like to have like a box of cookies, but maybe if you don't pick them up, it's not that important. Right. So it's similar, right? Similar with the job yeah. description. You're always going to yeah. have the most important things. So thank you for validating that because you're the, the one of the first people <laughs> to do that as we go through this because I know it's important. And I know, you know, as a hiring manager as well, one of the things I used to do is my most important skills got to be at the top. Those are my must-haves. Yeah. And then everything else is kind of a nice to have type of thing. Yeah. So yeah. that's good. Um, so what are some of the most important things, you know, you mentioned your clients, what are some of the most important things your clients or your hiring managers are looking for in a candidate these days? Uh, so as we live in pandemic world, mm -hmm. um, communication is, is a key, key skill right now that hiring managers are looking for. You know, none of us are in person. None of us know, you know, what's going on. Um, you know, we're all working from home, so we don't see each other. So that whole ability to be able to, you know, keep in touch, say, give updates, um, you know, show that you're on top of things, um, you know, call that quick meeting to say, you know, can we just catch up on this for a minute? That skill, and I know it's all encompassed in communication and interpersonal skills, and we've always talked about it for years, but right now it is absolutely paramount um, where you want to be able to 
reach out to your hiring manager or your client, again, who can't even come visit you in your office anymore, or yeah. you can't go to them, is, you know, just make sure that they know you're on top of things and, you know, give them that level of, of comfort um, and, and confidence that you've got. So I, I don't think I can stress that enough. And whether it's in the world of recruitment, you know, dealing with my colleagues that who work on the same project with me, you know, the same thing would apply, right? Um, as to what I'm working on, what they're working on, make sure we're collaborating. Collaborating, I maybe is the is is the yeah. better word for all of this. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I just want to play it back for everybody else that's listening as well. Just having that more consistent feedback, that more consistent connection, because we are in a virtual environment. Uh, and that means putting aside, I guess, maybe, you know, some candidates might be feeling like this, just putting aside that fear that you might be over asking questions, right? So I'm not going to reach out because I don't want to bother my hiring manager because I feel like this is a silly thing to ask. But what, what I'm hearing from you is have those touch points, have those connections, have those regular check-ins. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that are really going to set you apart. So especially for a candidate that's going through the interview process, it's something that you need to highlight that you that you do often, right? Like it's one of those things that you need to to bring into the interview with you. Otherwise, they're not going to know that, right? And especially today, where who knows, right? Like you're you're I could be, I'm remote and I'm you know I'm working out of a basement and you know, who knows you know what I'm doing if I'm not having that regular interaction with the rest of my team. So no, and that's great. And 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 I you know I'm glad you talked about collaboration because I feel even more so in today's environment with, with the pandemic, with COVID, uh, collaboration is even more important than it's ever been, right? Yeah. So it's not like you can just walk up to somebody and say, hey, I need you to do this or, you know, let's collaborate. Let's talk about this. The coffee chats is where I found a lot yeah. of things happen in the office. And today there's no more coffee chats, but doesn't mean you can't have coffee chats in a virtual environment either, right? Right, right. And, and it just means you have to be very, very mindful of scheduling those. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So what I say to my team is, you know, at the beginning of your week, think about where you want those touch points with different people and start your week and saying, OK, let's schedule 15 minutes across, you know, different groups and, and, and get that going. And, and likewise for the job seeker. So what are my touch points I want for this week? Right. Who do yeah. I want to connect with? Get that in you know, what if calendar or however. And then and then that sets your workflow for the week. Right. Yeah. Doesn't mean that becomes rigid. It just allows you to to work in that collaborative space so that you don't miss things in the process because we all get very busy really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great piece of advice. And actually, I, I it just reminded me of a conversation I had with somebody who started in an organization. And they said one of the biggest challenges that they faced was they weren't able to connect with anybody because they're not in a physical space. Mm -hmm. So I, I really like your suggestion, which was schedule it out, schedule those little touch points with people on your team, even if it's people you don't know. Mm -hmm. Like you said, be mindful of their schedules and what's going on. And hopefully inside organizations, you can kind of see everybody's schedules mm -hmm. uh, and what their availabilities are, but schedule them in. I think that's the most important piece because otherwise... You're never going to build that connection with the remainder of your team if you don't do those type of things, right? Yep. 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 
So, so great. So, so far, you know, you've given us a lot of good information to think about a lot of great insight. There is another question I want to ask before we, we get to the end of this thing is, uh, and I think you touched on it a little bit, but just want to get a little bit more clarity around it. Uh, how important is LinkedIn? Uh, how, how important is LinkedIn to a job seekers um, uh, job search today? And what does their uh, social media presence mean to you? Uh, well, LinkedIn is the tool that I'm going to say most, if not all, recruiters use to find top talent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's quick, it's easy, and so you know, to the job seekers that I have spoken with, if your profile doesn't share enough information about you, enough content about what it is you're looking for, a job seeker will never find you because we go by the keywords. So having a LinkedIn recruiter license, which is outside of the search parameters that the the basic user has, um, you know, we can put in a lots of keywords and bring candidates forward um, to us to, to, so if we don't see that content or if, if the job seeker has not added you know, anything that they want to share about themselves, their skills, their, you know, um, duties that they've done, responsibilities, a recruiter will never find you. So okay. now your your LinkedIn d- does not have to look like your resume in any way, shape or form. It can, it, it, it helps um, because it, it shares a lot of information about you. But I'm going to say that if it's not, if it doesn't have enough content then you will never be found by your recruiter because that is the tool that they use. And even if they do other searches on LinkedIn, because there are other searches that we can do, if you have it in your LinkedIn profile, it will be found. Okay. Good to know. Right. Um, Yeah. And good points. So, so the question, and actually I just wanted to, to just, elaborate so you know you have more visibility you can see more things um so the question that's kind of coming to my mind are you actively seeking out candidates or are the people that you're hiring a mix of people that are applying for work and a combination of you looking for candidates online like what what would you say the mix is there is it like 50 50 80 20 uh, because oh. and the reason and the reason I'm asking is just you know we all understand the importance of LinkedIn or at least we should know if you're an active job seeker you need to have a pretty active profile you need to be up to date you need to have your skills and everything but are you more likely to be found because uh, and I'm going to use a baseball terminology or you're being scouted for an organization or do you just apply to an org- like what would you say is more relevant for you in terms of the work that you do. So for us, it, it it depends on the on the on the applications that we get, but we very rarely get enough applications, oh, qualified wow, okay. applications. Um, you know, sometimes we do, sometimes we get lucky, but most of the time we are out there scouting. Okay. And so what we would do is for a job or a position in LinkedIn, we would set the search parameters. So these are the these are the search. These are the criteria we're looking for. And then LinkedIn's algorithm will automatically populate that into my job folder. Oh, okay. So it, it's auto, it automatically goes out there, you know, does its thing um, in, in the search 
and then brings the candidates to us as recruiters that we can then filter through. So again, I go back to if your skills are there, if your qualifications are there, then the LinkedIn algorithm will find those people, add them to my folder, which makes it easy for me then to go and, and sort through and, and, and look for the qualified people. Um, okay. So, so we, do, you, we use LinkedIn a lot more for that scouting sourcing. Um, and, and at the end of the day, that is still where we find our better, our better candidates. <laughs> They're the ones who actually apply. Good to know. Um, Good to know. Yeah. And, and the reason I the reason I'm asking is, you know, because we put a lot of emphasis in applying to work, but one of the things we're also putting a lot of emphasis on is making sure that you have a complete profile, right? And yep. it's one of the most important things you're going to have as you're going through the job search process today. So. Uh, for those that are listening, you got to have your LinkedIn profile up to date, especially here. And, you know, you're hearing it from a Canadian recruiter working in a Canadian organization, telling you exactly what they what it is they're looking for when they're looking for your profile. Because you just kind of pulled away the curtain today and we got exposed to things that we normally don't get exposure to. And that's, you know, your search features in, in, in terms of the recruiter tool that you have inside of LinkedIn to bring a, a lot more information forward to you to let people know, hey, this is where I'm qualified. This is what I've got. And it brings it brings those candidates to you instead of you going the other way around. So right. that is amazing. Thank you for that. Anything else yeah. you want to add to that, and, Elaine? Well, and I think that, well, there's two little things I want to add. So these people may apply to our jobs, which is great. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we know that the LinkedIn search works because they've already <laughs> applied to our job. Um, but the other piece that I wanted to add, which I should have talked about earlier, is when you are applying for a job, you will often come against pre-screen questions that have been set by a recruiter. Mm -hmm. And those are set for a purpose. And some of them actually have a score against it, which is not visible to the candidate when they're yeah. entering their application, right? Um, I think I want to say to the to your to the listeners, if you don't feel that you qualify or you can check off against 50% of those answers, um, don't apply because <laughs> you may just automatically get disqualified because some of them may actually be disqualifying questions. Okay. And you're automatically rejected. So again, it's that you know, check what you're applying for. And the pre-screen questions will also give you a bit of a deeper insight into the job. Yeah, no, and that's a great point. And, and I love how you highlighted that because what I find a lot of people are just out there applying to multiple jobs, right? So they're just taking the resume, they're uploading it, but you're right. So mm -hmm. in a lot of application tracking systems and a lot of systems, it asks you for these questions and if you're not taking the time to, and what I'm hearing from you is if you're not taking the time to fill up those questions, forget it. Like you might as well not apply to the job because you're wasting your time, right? Mm -hmm. So yep. fill out those questions and, and you're hearing it from Elaine. Fill out the questions because that's what's going to vet you. That's what's going to bring you to the top if you answer them truthfully, authentically. And if you're not qualified, don't apply to the job, which I think is it's a pretty standard thing, but um, I'm glad you're saying it because there's a lot of people that are just aimlessly applying to things. And I'm glad you're, you're putting it straight. And, it, yeah. and the truth is you're going to save yourself some, some time if you do it properly. Right. Like at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. And, right? and there's nothing more demotivating than to get an automatic rejection. Like you've, you've hit the apply button and then the rejection comes back. 
right away yeah. <laughs> because you know something went wrong right in the process so i can't stress read what you're applying to because you know as the recruiters or recruitment teams we set these things for a purpose one it's to help us and also to make sure that we're getting the top talent for that particular job yeah no great point and and at the end of the day it's your time too right so there's the job seeker who's looking for work but it's also your time in making sure that you find the right qualified applicants for the jobs that you're hiring for and if you can shorten that time because people are doing it correctly the candidate's actually doing you a service by making by making sure that they put all the right information forward. So great right. point. And and you're right. And, and I loved how you mentioned that. Don't apply if, if, if you don't if you don't fit the criteria, uh, but also be complete in your application. So mm-hmm. a couple of different things there. So hopefully those that are listening, you're taking notes down, you're writing this because that's what's going to save you time in your job search if you do it correctly. So Elaine, thank you. You've given us a lot of insights and tips. I know for sure people are going to want to get a hold of you and connect with you. How would they do that? So the best way for people to reach me is on LinkedIn. Um, I, my profile is there. It's Elaine Daniels. Uh, Hatch. I guess it's just plain Hatch. <laughs> we, used, we used to have. <laughs> so yeah, so reach out to me. And you know, for those who are reaching out from this podcast, you know, tell me where you've connected with me because it helps mm-hmm. me then Yes. Uh, So uh, reach out to my LinkedIn profile. And for those of you who are listening to this particular podcast, um, tell me where you've heard heard about me, where, you know, make the connection with John. um, And and then, you know, it'll make it easier for me to identify with you going forward. Excellent. Always. And and I love it. Personalize your message when you're reaching out to somebody, especially somebody like Elaine. Why are you reaching out to them? Where did you learn about them? Uh, that's what's going to personalize it. And that's what's going to increase your chances of her, A, accepting your connection request, but also her responding back to you. So great points. Thank you, Elaine. Yeah. Uh, and thank you for all the tips and insights that you've given us today. It's been incredibly insightful. Again, you know, and the two big takeaways that I'm, I'm hearing today is, you know, don't apply for jobs that you're not qualified for. And then number two is be complete in the process and leverage your LinkedIn profile because you never know when you're going to get scouted by somebody like Elaine. So make sure you're complete, you're doing your work and you're getting it done. All right, everybody. So that is it for this episode of the Canadian Job Search Podcast. Wishing you all a great one. Talk to you all soon. Take care.